0: We learned a lot in week seven of the summer 22 season, but one thing's for sure that a team can win twice in one night. And of course, it starts with that first game for the Ozone Boys is who we're talking about as they take down Lob City in an upset that I don't think anybody really saw coming, especially without Andrew Kavang there for the Ozone Boys. And uh, they still get the win, shake things up, and now it gets very interesting heading into that final week of the regular season. Welcome to the week seven postgame show. Tim and Aiden are standing by. Cade may or may not be joining us. We'll see if he pops on as we're going along, but let's start there. I know Aiden was over on court one, the uh, Ozone Boys take down Lob City by six. They had a five, six, seven point lead, you know, with like two minutes to go. So it's not like, you know, it it was in that range and they made some plays down the stretch in the fourth quarter, quarter to get it, you know, a double digit lead. And then Lob City had to fall. They would have had to hit some shots, and it didn't happen down the stretch. We'll go right to Aiden. What happened? And then we'll get to the playoff stuff after. So let's break down the matchups. Then we'll look ahead with one game left, kind of what that win means. I know we're going to talk about it along the way anyway, but let's talk about the game in week seven first and focus there. What did Ozone do to get the win that no one really saw coming?
1: I just think, you know, like you said, they were, they were th- without Andrew which was a little tough for them because he was their second option on the scoring when they came in with the second unit. And they've been starting both the Hogan brothers at the same time. And both teams shot very, very poorly. I think both around the 33, 36 range. So the shots weren't falling for either team, but it was just a complete defensive effort. It just like Paul McGuire at 21, he did his own thing, but I just think ozone they started 0-3. They're now 3-4, and right? Or something along those lines, 3-4. and So they've won three of their last four. And I just think they're playing completely, like we've said before. You don't want to see them in the playoffs, and they're not going to be 0-3 for longer. They just they figured out how they play well as a team and how they play off of each other. And Eric Easton doesn't play much, but when he comes in, even though he doesn't score a lot, he gives a lot of defensive effort. Zach Brook shined. And, again, I just think, they were able to lock down Lob City, which is really hard odd, odd for me to say because Lob only scored 48 points. That might be the lowest they've ever scored. I'm not really sure. But great defense and just poor shooting from both teams. That led to whatever team was gonna take the lead in the final quarter and just run with it at that point.
0: Yeah. And so we're gonna look at Lob City in a second. Before we get to their side of things, the Ozone Boys have improved to three and four. This was their second win. We're gonna get to their third win on the season which also took place in week seven and one second, definitely shout out Zach Brooks. I know he had a couple of huge shots down the stretch as we were talking about as they were able to get it to that double digit lead or even just keep it close uh, as the team started to go back and forth in that fourth quarter, looking at lob city, their second loss. I believe it's their second loss in three weeks. Thanks to the halfway crooks, right? (laughs) The halfway crooks are their one win in the past three weeks. Um, But again, playing the do boys. That's, you know, Stats are stats, but sometimes, you know, it doesn't always tell the real story. But for Lob City, we were saying it last week, and if we didn't, I mean, I know he listens, so it's going to make things interesting. Are they better without Jose? Do they play more as a team? I mean, having Victor against the halfway crook stuff, we help So maybe it's more having Victor than not having Jose, right? But we'll go back to Aiden. What, you know, we talked about the shooting, right? You see it there, 36% and then 18% from three. Was it just that? Was it not having, you know, Victor there on defense? And not that he, you know, he hasn't played in every game, so that's not their excuse, and they're out in this one. Um, But, you know, what was it that Lob City was unable to do or unable to force the Ozone boys to do?
1: They were just unable to score, and that's, again, odd for me to say for Lob City. But, like, poor shooting, too. Usually Greg Holt doesn't shoot that many shots, doesn't miss that many shots. But I just think without Jose, they have to find that main scoring option. And, yes, Cody's going to be that main scoring option, and Colin's going to be the number two. But they need to find someone else that can also score. And Carly, always there, but he leaves at halftime to go do his other thing, and he plays an impact. But I just think they were unable to shoot the ball well. They always shot it well. Like, we've talked about the percentage, and it's going to keep coming up to that. They were unable to make their shots. And I think it was the pressure from Ozone that because they were playing them all hard. And, you know, they didn't have Victor, like you said, this week. And he brings a lot to the table defensively, hasn't played in many games, but he has that energy. And one thing I noticed too is Lob City wasn't really talking a lot while they were on the court. And they always talk. They talked a little bit, but it wasn't as vocal as they always are. And it just seemed like they weren't in it this week which is again odd for me to say and I just think tough loss and they're going to hopefully bounce back in the last week of the season and get the win
0: yeah do we know who they play I don't know why it's slipping me their last game Uh, we'll get there they uh and I know we'll we'll get to it in one second but they now fall to five and two and that opens the door for two other teams who also are five and two through week seven the Rhode Island Warriors we'll get there in a second but I think it's the werewolves as well. And let's get to the werewolves and halfway crooks game, another close game. Uh, but it's the werewolves who improved to five and two. They are six and four all time against the halfway crooks and are, have won the last four, but in this one, you know, some, they like to reference the article for their motivation last week. So thanks a lot for that, Aiden. Uh, and we'll let, even let Tim, you know, get in on this one. I know we're doing some court one action. We'll get over to court three in a second, but, when Sam Clifford's there, and I think it's what we talked about, if not on the post game, but I think we did definitely on the Low Post podcast, we've mentioned this, it brings back Dave Campbell, Brian Heston vibes from past seasons where Sam Clifford is able to give him that legitimate second scoring option, which allows Brian Heston, if he has an off night like he did, which won't happen often, but realistically, they're both going to be able to play off each other and carry that team. We're gonna find out how far in the playoffs, right? But now the werewolves in a three-way tie for second with the Warriors in Lob City. Thanks to their week seven win. We'll go back to eight and first. They had all their guys. I think all they have is six guys, and they were all there. The halfway crooks didn't have all their guys, but Dylan Lincoln's missing in action, so he's done. And Mark Belville's on uh yeah on vacation. So that leaves, you know, me playing a ton of minutes. Not a great sign, but uh, unless it's against only the fan and I will continue to throw that dig out there. Cause a near triple doubles a near triple double, but Aiden for the werewolves, you know, they, they snuck it out and it was double digits. So let's give them credit. The lead was up to double digits. And then, you know, that fourth quarter happened, but what did the werewolves do to get that fifth win?
1: It was the Sam Clifford show. Every, it looked like every shot he was taking was going to fall regardless. And he played like effortlessly. And I have That's the first time I've seen him play and he hasn't played many games, but when they have a whole cohesive unit, and I believe they do only have six guys, but when they have that rotation in, and that allows Brian to be able to sit some minutes and not play the whole game where he usually has to play the whole game, and he's always scoring, and he didn't have a great night because Sam was just doing it all, and they pick up the pieces where they need to be, and it just, like I said, it was the Sam Clifford show. That's what it was. Some great defensive plays too. Like a really kind of close game, like you said, it was it was ten points at once, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like Werels hit a shot, halfway hit a shot. Werels they were trading buckets, and Sam shooting twelve of seventeen. The rest of them not great, but it shows that even if Gino and Heston and even Connor doesn't play well as a unit, if Sam comes in off the bench and even if Joe scores a lot too. They're able to score, but they were just, again, Sam Clifford Joe, he had some acrobatic finishes and just was his own game, really. And the halfway crooks couldn't do much about it.
0: I'm laughing because I scrolled down and I don't think you could see Tim, but I think his eyes lit up when he saw some of the shooting numbers for the werewolves. And if not, I'm using it anyway, because that could be the reaction when you see a box score like that. I mean, not to, you know, Brian Heston going for 16 again, like I talked about, isn't going to happen very often. A um, couple blocks in there by Jeff Winchell shout out, you know, for his doing all he could on defense, but Sam Clifford was like, all right, well, I'll, you know, you guys are going to focus on Heston. Then I will uh, step in and, and lead the team with 34 points. Um, Tim, I know you weren't on this one, but even just talking about these two teams or even kind of what it means that going forward, like I talked about the werewolves in a really good position now. And the halfway Crooks fall to three and four, now tied with the Ozone boys after everything they did in week seven. So we'll kind of throw it to Tim, even on these two teams. They may meet again in the playoffs, but, you know, what are you looking out of these two teams going forward?
2: Yeah, so with these two teams right now, what I'm seeing is like two teams going in like totally opposite directions. Like the Werewolves, I believe they have won three straight. They've been playing great ball. Obviously, when they have Clifford, that adds a different element to their team. Um, Heston's really the guy that does everything for them. But when they have a guy that can put up 34, that shows up every now and then. I mean, that's not a lot of thing that a lot of teams can offer. But um, I would just say the Crooks—they probably have to shoot the three better. Um, We underestimate, I think, a little bit three-point shooting in this league. It's an eight and a half foot rim, so a lot of people like to go to the rim, but. If you can shoot well three points is more than two so if they can improve there i think the crooks will be all right playoff time
0: yeah for sure and i mean four for 23 i believe i just saw not gonna cut it for uh the halfway crooks and i was gonna say it felt like sam clifford made four by himself he was three of three from three right so efficient scoring from him the inability to hit the three-point shot for the halfway crooks uh so we already mentioned those guys just to of course i Pretend to do my homework, but Lob City takes on Sin City in week eight. So that's going to be, again, it's going to have some seeding implications as we get there. Let's do the Ozone Boys getting their third win. I know we're going to talk a lot about them, but might as well get it out of the way. That's the closest game, I believe, Court Three saw, and it is in week seven. So the Ozone Boys take down the Lincoln 18ers in the nightcap 72 69. And they had, I posted the clip today, there was a three-point chance, some controversy in the comments. Uh, I saw it happen live, and live is different than you have the video, and you're able to go, you know, you're able to scroll through, and the refs don't have replay. But it's, you know, we don't even have to get into it. It's when the ref calls the ball out. It It was close, and unfortunately, I've seen worse calls end the game. So they wanted a second on the clock. The ref was right on top of it. That's how the game ends a block three point shot for the Lincoln 18ers. That means the ozone boys, like we talked about, improved to three and four. We'll go to Tim. I mean, both teams played two games, so we can kind of focus on Lincoln a little more here, but that's not easy or fun. And they were still throwing down dunks. And, you know, so they're all those two teams are on the younger side. Anyway, they, that they're, they're made for that. But what did the ozone boys do, Tim? I mean, especially in that second game, Um, you know, that impressed you and, and again, gives you that hope, right? One of those teams trending upward as we head to the playoffs.
2: Uh, Yeah. So for the Ozone boys, this game, I mean, to me, it was obvious to tell they were a little tired. This was their second game. I think if maybe they come in and this is their first game. The score is a little different, but that's not to take really anything away from Lincoln. Uh, Obviously you see Ethan Cloutier uh, with a very impressive game. If you look at his first game, I believe he went 0 of 10 on three, so you would be pretty surprised to see this result, but he was shooting well. Uh, also, Mike Hamilton, um, he's actually been shooting it well all year. He's over 50% on the year from three. Uh, this, this Lincoln team has showed time and time again that they can shoot the ball, and uh, I think they need to maybe show more Steve Richie, give him a little more opportunity because he made a lot of deep threes. He was able to get in the paint, put up some floaters. He has good touch. Uh, if they give him more minutes, I think it uh, would be good for them. But for the Ozone boys, obviously, you see Kavang was hot from three, four for eight, pretty good percentage. Paul McGuire and Zach Brooks though, down the stretch were the difference makers. Uh, big and one from Zach Brooks down the stretch, clutch free throws. Uh, Paul McGuire, as we know, uh, had a great game one. In game two, he continued it, going to the basket, isolating, uh, finding plays for his teammates. Uh, yeah, I think it's good for Ozone Boys to get these two wins, build on momentum. Uh, they should feel confident going into next week.
0: Yeah, and so I know we talked a lot about Ozone Boys and even not so much about the Lincoln 18ers. We're going to get to their, well, their first game, but the second game we're talking about them in a second. The Lincoln 18ers do fall after both of those games to one and six in the nine seed and they've pretty much, they are stuck in the nine seed. So, cause they lost to only the fam who's in front of them, but they beat bogey kicks. So no matter what happens, they're the nine seed. They'll take on the eight seed, which is also locked into only the fam. So that won't happen in week eight, but in the playoffs, it will be only the fam and Lincoln 18ers. So we can preview that. We have plenty of time to look ahead to that one. Um, but the Lincoln 18ers, I mean, they were right there in that second game in their first game. I know it was, um, closer until the fourth quarter and we can even head there now and and kind of continue talking about the lincoln 18ers against the rhode island warriors in that first game like i talked about 98 78 was the final score that was the warriors getting their fifth win on the season i believe another 50 point performance by gian Avendician. so there you go for that um and even just some of the highlights you would think lincoln was playing in their second game first from what i saw and their first game was the second game by just by, I mean, Tim saw more of it than I did. So I'm going to turn it over to him. That's how it looked to me as far as like, I don't like do, using the effort word because that isn't always the nicest way to put it, but it, that they kind of seemed like, all right, like we kind of want to win the second one. Like almost like they believed more in winning the second one, um, but they do come up short. And Tim, I believe it was close until the fourth quarter, but you tell me, um they even had a lead pretty sure they were, they were battling with the Warriors.
2: Um, Yeah, so uh, a little bit about – what it's funny you say that because um, Lincoln, they had Ryan Musket for the second game, so they actually had a sub. This game, they didn't have a sub. Also, another tidbit about this game, the Lincoln 18ers did not call a timeout the entire game. I don't know if they forgot they had them, but I think that really showed in the fourth quarter, like really showed. Because they – I mean, they shot really well. Um, Mike Hamilton, like I said, shooting the lights out – Also, probably one of the more underrated players in the league is Jason Madwed. He doesn't show up every time, but he's really fundamental. You see, he fills up the stat sheet, rebounding, playmaking for his team. Uh, He's really good in the post, and he can either score in the post or he can facilitate out of the post if they're sending doubles. Uh, Also, that diamond zone for Lincoln, it gave the Warriors trouble um, in the first three quarters. uh, uh, Lincoln, as you can see, they're actually up four, entering the fourth. Uh, So this game could have gone either way, but yeah, the fourth quarter was just basically Warriors steal, transition, 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 and it it basically just got out of hand at that point. Uh, Gian, another big game, Charles Correa, definitely a a key X factor for this team. If he plays like this, he already had a player of the week uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, More performances like this. Uh, Amini also, he showed up in like the third quarter, so that's why his stats weren't really like that, but yeah, um I, I would like to see the Warriors get more contributions out of anyone but Gian just because it's hard to rely on that every game. But uh it, it has been working for them so far. So good win for the Warriors.
0: Yeah for sure and you talked about it. So we mentioned with the werewolves, right? If they get Sam Clifford going, there's that that one two punch on offense. I mean that possibly more so applies to the Warriors, right? With Gian and Charles there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even that good at math. 82 of their 98, right? That's, you know, the werewolves have done that. (laughs) When the werewolves were in the finals, I remember looking at that box score and it was Dave Campbell and Heston, I think, had all but four of the something ridiculous like that. So the werewolves have have competed (laughs) with this level of like two players doing all the scoring. And not that other people on that team aren't capable, but when you have those two options, it frees up players three, four, five, and six, right? And that goes for both of those teams. So good win for the Warriors to pull away. Uh, Gian made sure in his interview I'm like famous apparently I know I am famous but the second week in a row he mentioned me because I'm talking my shit on the post game um, you know need to win by more points so they'll be moving up in the power rankings that's for sure but um, all you know it, the power rankings are more to kind of you know stir the pot a little bit that's why they're fun you know but the standings are what they are and the Warriors get that fifth win so now again they're in a three-way tie with Lob City and the Werewolves we looked it up prior the Warriors lost. What did did we say? Oh, we were were previewing stuff. That's why I'm getting confused. We were saying if Sin City is able to win. So I guess we'll kind of get there in a second when we get down the road. But if Sin City is able to hand Lob City a loss, they fall to five and three. If Duye's boys does, in fact, beat the Werewolves in week eight. Again, we're assuming a lot with that matchup because both of those teams are really good. Werewolves would fall to five and three. And if the Warriors can win, they would be the lone team. Through the regular season with two losses and can get that two seed tiebreakers get tricky, but in that scenario, it's easy. They're the only team in that case that would have two losses through eight weeks, so the two seed is still available for them. And uh the team did, I, did we do yes yet? I don't think so. Right? Is that the one I was saving? Great, what a transition. The team that's locked up the one seed, so they don't got to worry about none of this crap. And they had it locked up prior to uh, you know them even taking the court tonight. So they knew if they win. They clinched because they'd beaten Lob City and it would be a one game difference in the standings, but they would have the tiebreaker with that Ozone boys win over Lob City. Duye's boys were there watching and they were like, thanks. (laughs) Thanks to our, you know, they even said it on Twitter. Thanks to the younger boys or something like that to the other, you know, the other boy team um, for, you know, taking care of their business and clinching the one seed for them. You know, they clinch it themselves with their play this season. But uh, mathematically, it was taken care of heading into that matchup. And then we had a good one, uh, you know, the 25-point spread set prior by Duye's boys themselves. And then uh, it was a 7-point duye's boys win. I don't remember if Bogey had a lead in the fourth quarter. I know uh, they played it close throughout. And uh, I know they weren't they weren't leading heading into the fourth, fourth quarter. Um, but, uh, let me turn that off, but yeah, do boys do get the win. Um, and, uh, again, improve to seven and oh, stay undefeated bogey kicks still. Oh, and seven looking for that first win, but it seems like every week are getting closer to that first win. Um, and so guys, what, uh, you know, we'll go to Aiden on this one for the do boys recap, then we'll go back to core three then we'll preview some week eight and playoff stuff. So for the do boys, was it shooting? And I would like to look at that first. I think. I was expecting, and not that it's easy to stop David Depina, right? I mean, their offense seemed to be either he drove for bogey kicks, or someone else on bogey shot it, and he was already camped out, ready for the rebound, and would turn it into a jump ball. And he's, you know, a very good athlete, so he's good at that, <laughs> and would get the jump ball and score. And so that kind of eliminates someone actually guarding David Depina in that scenario, right? Because we know Duye's boys have the defenders. But what what was it? You know, the the key part of this game, and then. What did Douye, the Douye's boys do to pull away?
1: So the key part in this game is there was a lot of trash talking from both sides. I'm not going to touch on what it was, but a lot of talking between both sides. And I think that's what got into their heads. And I think that's why Douye's, it was a really close game. Like throughout, you can just look at the box score right there for each quarter. Very close game. I don't know. I really don't know what happened. I think what kind of happened in the beginning was Vinny had some quick fouls and he wasn't able to be on the court. So they had to just rely on Brian and John to get the job done, which is totally fine. John had a great night. Brian didn't have a really good night shooting, but made up for the free throws. And I just, David DePina, it seemed like every time he was going into the paint, he was dunking on everybody. And, They were playing defense too, but it was just the Duye's boys were able to play how they wanted to play, but it wasn't a cohesive unit. Like we said, shooting percentages, not – I mean, if you just look at this, Duye's shot fairly decent, just all the players. But I think they got into each other's heads, and Duye's was expecting an easy matchup, like that. they sent the 25-and-a-half point spread. But bogey kicks came out to play, and they've shown a lot of flashes of – decent play in the majority of not the majority, but in some of the recent games and maybe it's just David DePena taking over, but Mike Evans on um, bogey Kiss you see had 23, but he didn't shoot very well. He's very much the facilitator and on that team, he gets to talking and they're, they have some decent players, but again, they're not going to win a game in this league this year. I mean, if they come back next year, but it was just, a lot of trash talking, I think, and got to each other's heads. And they weren't able to just knock down the shots. And Duye's were able to knock down more shots than them, which is ultimately what led them to winning, I believe.
0: Not to cut off, you know, the Duyes boys, um, you know, chatter, because we're going to be talking about them for, you know, throughout the playoffs, um, I'm sure, if not for a couple games. Mentioned bogey kicks not getting a win. And I understand why you're saying that but taking on, oh, they would get the seven. All right. So, I mean, if they get the halfway crooks or the ozone boys, I was talking about the Lincoln 18ers. I thought Bogey was going to play only the fam. And I was like, well, I mean, not I'm, and I'm, this is not bash only the fam, but like, you know, basketball wise maybe, but they won't play each other in the playoffs unless things get very weird. Uh, but even taking on the ozone boys, you know, where I think, I know they've played, but it was back and forth um, or even the halfway crooks in that sense. I mean, They're not a team, you know, I mean, Shane said it in his interview, right? They're not a team you can look past, even though they haven't won a game. Uh, And so it'll be interesting to see who they get in that 10-7 matchup because they are locked in as the 10 seed bogey kicks I'm talking about at 0-7, regardless of what happens in week eight. As far as that seven seed, it is between the Ozone Boys and Halfway Crooks, like we talked about. We'll, you know, explain more on that in a second, but let's get to the last game of the night that we haven't touched on yet. Speaking of that, only the FAM team taking on Sin City. Just based on lack of size alone, I think the result, at least what team won, was pretty predictable. As Sin City takes care of business, I mean, by 39, that may not have been the part that we predicted as well. Uh, but one hundred two sixty-three is Sin City, and a huge second quarter for them we'll let Tim touch on them. I mean, this is a team, right? So since city improves to four and three, like we talked about, if things get messy, I don't know if they can be a two seed. I think a lot would have to happen for that. Um, but def, you know, three seeds in play, uh, we've already touched on that scenario and we can recap that in a second. Um, yeah, three seeds in, in play. If some stuff gets wacky in, in week eight for sin city after I think they started Owen two, right. And they were trying to figure stuff out and, um, you know, they're above 500, right? So four and three in a dangerous team. We talked about how did they get the win and take care of business in week seven?
2: Uh, yeah, so if you look, about, look at Sin City like over the course of the season, uh, they have three losses in all three of those games. They've pretty much been in the games like through three quarters. So we've seen um, at times that games slip away from them. But uh, what stands out right away in this one was Devin Pena's stat line triple-double, almost 30-30. Uh, we saw Jeff Winchell with a similar stat line against Only the fam uh, a couple weeks ago. So I guess if you're just a big man against Only the fam, you're licking your chops. But, uh, yeah, I think this was pretty much a wire-to-wire blowout. Sensity, uh, when they lock in on defense, they're really hard to score on. Uh, Taj really stops the point of attack at the top of the key and you've got Devin Pina and when they have Javon Morris down low, it's kind of hard to take him to the basket. As as we know, only the fam is a team that really relies on their three point shooting uh, because they don't go to the basket a lot. So, and they shot 20%. So they didn't really have a shot in this one. If they're shooting that poorly, Um, Jaron puts up 20 again. Um, He pretty much has to carry that load for them. We've seen that the whole year. Uh, Tucker Aiello not a great shooting night for him they need more from him if they're going to be able to compete same with Mike uh, Bartholomew but I think this should be good for Sin City just for them not to worry about a game in the fourth quarter for once Uh, they actually got to relax and enjoy a win and I think they have a good chance to beat Lob next week we'll see
0: okay all right the tease by Tim Drop Mike, you know, drop, dropping the mic. He's out. All right. All right. Tim, all right. Well, I guess, I mean, we know what he's going to pick. Uh, let me get the standings up here. So those are the six week seven matchups. All right. And so now we take a look at the standings. I know I've talked about them throughout, but it's much easier to see it in front of you. If you're watching us on video, I'll rip through them for the podcast audio listeners, but we talked about the do boys seven and oh, They've clinched the one seed with one game remaining. They clinched it with two of their games remaining because of Ozone beating Lob City in week seven. Lob City, the Warriors, and the Werewolves currently all sit at five and two. These standings don't reflect tiebreakers. I'm sorry about that. We'll have to do that manually after, but those teams all have the same record. Now we'll talk about who they play in week eight and then what that could mean for their record after week eight. But currently those three teams, Lob City, the Warriors, and the Werewolves all tied at five and two, tied for second. Sin City alone as the five seed at four and three, if they lose and they could be four and four and the six or the seven seed, currently the Ozone boys or the halfway crooks could win, improve to four and four, and then be in a battle for that five seed. So that's kind of still in play for Ozone and the halfway crooks, their max or their ceiling would be a five in that case. We, I, I can kind of do some of that stuff in a second too, like the ceiling and the floor for some of these teams, if they, things go one way or another then I'll let you guys almost do some predicting on what you think will happen. So if you guys want to pull, pull up the week eight schedule YouTube while I finish this up, ozone boys and the halfway crooks tied for six at three and four. Only the fam, like we talked about locked up the eight seed because they lost to the halfway crooks to beat the Lincoln 18 ers below them. So no matter what happens, that's where they stay the eight seed. They're currently two and five, the Lincoln 18 ers at one and six. Again, that is locked in because of who they've beaten and played and bogey kicks. And seven, even if they get a win, we'll still be that 10 seed and we'll play in the first round. So again, the seven plays the 10, the eight plays the nine. And then we go into traditional kind of like March Madness numbers there, where the one will take on the winner of the eight, nine, the two seed takes on the winner of the seven, ten, the three seed takes on the six seed, and the four seed takes on the five seed. So Duye's boys are the one. Lob City can stay at the two if they win and the tiebreaker goes their way. Lob City can fall as low as the five or four seed, like we talked about, I believe, because of some of the tiebreakers, and they've beaten so many teams. So the four or five seed is their floor, and in either scenario, that would put them on the same side of the bracket as Douye's boys, which would mean a semifinal matchup if some things fall that way for Lob City and the Douye's boys, that is still in play. The Warriors, like we talked about, if they win and some other teams lose, can get up to the two seed, the farthest they can fall would be the four, I believe. Because even if they're 5-3, and did they beat Sin City? This is where it's nice to have the schedule handy. Um, The Warriors, I believe they beat Sin City. Yep, you can see it right there in Week 5. So the lowest they can go is the 4 seed. Even if they were tied, they would have the tiebreaker. So the Warriors will be between 2 and 4. The Werewolves, same thing. I guess if things get wacky, they can climb up to the 2 seed technically. They beat Sin City. We checked, didn't we? I think they beat him by a couple. This is this is great on-the-spot analysis here for you guys, what we what we do. Werewolves, Bogey, they may not – no, they played. We'll figure it out later. They can be either the two-seed or be the four or five-seed. I apologize for not having my crap together, but that's all right. Aiden, do you have it?
1: Sin City actually beat the Werewolves okay. by 15.
0: Cool. So that two. means – Thank you. So that means the werewolves could fall to five. There you go. So if things all go that way, they could fall below Sin City. The Ozone Boys max again would be five. Same with the halfway crooks if some things fall that way. And their lowest either of those teams can go in the Ozone Boys or the halfway crooks would be the seven. And that gets important because if you're the seven seed, you'd have to win a game against bogey kicks and then play the two seed, whoever that would be that same night. So there's the disadvantage for falling to seven. All right, that's a lot of talking. I apologize if it was a little fast, but the standings are up on the screen. They're on the site as well. We'll be back with the post-game show. We'll have the bracket out prior to the post-game show next week as that is the last game of the regular season. So guys, we'll go to Tim. I think we'll go to Tim first either way. Well, he just did a mic drop moment. So um, we have to go back to him as fast as we can. Um, What do you see happening, Tim? Even if you want to focus on the top, you can kind of pick a matchup. I mean, Sin City takes on Lob City. Um, The Warriors take on only the fam. Werewolves, Douye's boys, Halfway Crooks, Lincoln. So you don't have to predict every matchup, but what's your most likely outcome, you know, for week eight? And what does that mean for the playoffs in your mind?
2: Yeah, so I kind of already dropped the ball on this, but I I have a big upset um, this week, and uh, it's Sin City over Lob City. It's not, I mean, it's not really like I'm down on Lob City after they lost to Ozone, but uh, I think if Jose is not there, they're definitely a different team, and I think they'll struggle dealing with Devin Pina down low. I know Colin Burns is going to do his job down there, but uh, Devin's putting up numbers against anyone. And also, this one's going to be a little more shocking, but I have the werewolves beating Douye's boys for their first loss of the season. Uh, I just think it's not the best matchup for Douye's, although Douye's, with their small lineup, has showed they can defend any big in this league, but they have not faced Brian Heston yet this year, so I'm interested to see also if Sam Clifford shows up. I think those two will be a handful for Douye's to to, uh, deal with, but I think that one will definitely go down to the wire.
0: All right. I like it. We can even let Aiden jump in and pick both of those games as well, but just taking that scenario, if we go back to the standings, right? If Lob City was to lose, meaning Sin City was to win in that case, that would put Sin City at five and three, Lob City at five and three. We can assume Tim can head nod. That would mean the Warriors would win next week in your scenario against only the fam. That's a yes. So in that case, if Sin City does win, Nothing else matters. Once the Warriors win, they would be that two seed in Tim's world. That would then leave us with a tie between Sin City. he had the werewolves winning. So there you go. Right. Yeah. The werewolves winning. So I lied. So it would come down to warriors, werewolves. And I don't know if they played. Um. So I lied. It would be warriors and werewolves fighting for the two seed. We don't have to go to. It's OK. It's a it's a it's a hypothetical scenario anyway. But that would leave the warriors and werewolves for the two, three. And because of just wins and losses, that would put Lob City and Sin City, like we talked about before the podcast, Tim, in the 4-5, and Sin City would have just have beaten Lob City in week eight. And then so in Tim's scenario, one more loss and then other things happen, and Lob City can be the five seed after all that of you know being top in the power rankings throughout the season and everything. So that's how quickly things can change, Aiden. You want to pick some of those games, and then we'll try to not mess up your hypothetical the way I just butchered <laughs> Tim's standings.
1: Go ahead. That's okay. Uh, one thing about Lob City and Sin City is, I believe, if people watch the interview after with Devin Pena, you know, I don't think he's going to be there next week. So that's going to be tougher for them. So I, uh, again. Still a tough matchup. I It's all up in the air, because that's what he said in the, in the interview. Who knows? He might show up. Whatever. I would still – oh, that's tough. If Pina shows up, no. I still think I have to go with Lobb, even without Jose. I think they're coming off, you know, not back-to-back losses, but two losses in the last three weeks, which I don't know if that's ever happened to them. So I think they kind of want the win more, maybe. But – it's going to be a great game regardless. And like you said, uh, Werewolves-Douye's boys. I have. To, I think I'm going to have to agree with Tim on that. I I will pick the Werewolves over the doye's boys. Like Tim said, they haven't played them yet. They played them before. Rivalry team. They're back and forth. But it's a different ball game when Sam Clifford's there. And he's the one-two punch, like we said. So I still will pick that. And I think another easy matchup, which I believe could if the Lob City does win, which would happen, maybe. But the Warriors versus only the fam, that's going to give them their sixth win. I know I'm predicting. I don't like to do that, but I would hope, not hope, but I would believe that they would beat only the fam. So that would give them their sixth win alone on top of the standings if Lob were to lose, which could happen. But it's an interesting games, interesting games next week. And some really big implications for the first round of the playoffs.
0: All I would like to say is that is karma for Tim doing a you know drop the mic moment you know in his last segment. Now he's going to predict a Sin City win and didn't even do his homework. That Devon Pina may not be there. Um, I'll bet against him in that. I mean, you know, whatever, whatever the odds are, I'll take it. Um, you know, <laughs> think Lop City, and uh, in that matchup, he's so confident over there. But yeah, so in Aiden's uh, scenario there. Lob City getting the win, they would improve to six and two. The Warriors in that scenario getting the win, they would also improve to six and two. And the werewolves getting the win, they also would improve to six and two. So in that case, which is likely where those teams all win and keep pace, that would be a three-way tie. And I don't believe the Warriors and Werewolves played. If I because I was like, that would be a good matchup. So they don't play, which means no one could have beaten, unless Lob City beat both of those teams. Lob City beat the Warriors and the Werewolves, right? They did. So in that scenario, because Lob City was the only team to have played all of them and beat both of them, they would get the two seed. So if things hold pat with the record because of the head-to-head tiebreakers, now that would leave the Warriors and the Werewolves, and since they did not play, it would come down to a math equation. So we'd have to figure out some way to make that work for that tiebreaker for the three or the four seed. In Aiden's case, Sin City's loss would put him at four and four. The Ozone Boys, he can nod his head beating bogey kicks. That would be a yes. Halfway Crooks beating Lincoln 18ers. Well, he wasn't as sure about that one, and I'm right here. So that's that's hurtful. Um, but um, all of those teams would be four and four. And then, you know, here you go, Aiden. So what you get. Because the Halfway Crooks did beat both Sin City and the Ozone Boys somehow. That would make the Halfway Crooks the five seed. So there's the path for the Halfway Crooks to the five seed. Uh, right there which would then have them in a matchup against the warriors or the werewolves in the four or five so there you go that's the that's the game plan for the crooks there we did it thanks Aiden you brought it around to the halfway crooks to wrap up the show so um, it'll be very interesting we'll break it all down after week eight and then the first round in the quarterfinals will take place the following Tuesday um, yeah I think the only other thing I wanted to and I'm just, just going to blow up pj's spot really quick um you know when i say i don't want to play a team pj it's not the halfway crooks being scared damn it If you listen to the podcast like you know i'm unbiased unlike you guys on the low post okay it's like it's a team that's playing well that a good team wouldn't want to play all right and that's that's where it ends that's where that conversation ends i get the last word on the post game they always get the last word on the podcast and it sucks um but guys good job aiden and tim and uh, everybody thanks for watching the week seven post game show